All right, let's take our Bibles this morning, please. Turn to Matthew 18 this morning. Matthew 18. Good to see uh, each and every one of you this morning. Matthew 18 this morning. Uh, I'll ask you to stand if you're able to, and uh, we'll not read the whole chapter, but we'll look, look at the first 14 or so verses this morning. If you're able to, uh, let's stand together. Here, Matthew 18, uh, we're getting here uh, to the end of the Lord's Galilean ministry. Uh, he's back in Capernaum now. Uh, and here's what we read. Uh, Matthew 18, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily or truly I say unto you, except to be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself, humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged round his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. We saw that word in the last uh, hour as well. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off, cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into the life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Verse 9, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. Uh, it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed, verse 10, that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels, their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Amen. Uh, how think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seek that which is gone astray? And if it be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones, little ones, should perish. Uh, this morning, the Lord's call uh, to humble ministry to young people, little ones. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for this passage. Lord, I thank you this morning for the privilege to preach it. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to hear it just exactly as you would have it to be heard. Lord, I pray this morning that as we consider what you have said, that you would work in our hearts. Lord, lead us to the application that you would have for us as individuals and for us as a church corporately. Father, I pray here this morning that you would be honored as, as your words are, are preached. Lord, I pray this morning that you would work in each of our hearts for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I, I pray this morning, as I always do, that you would help me. I most certainly need that, and I ask you for that this morning. Help my thoughts and my words to be your thoughts and your words. Father, I pray that you'll work here now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Do you get the impression this morning, uh, Carolyn, that the Lord cares about reaching and ministering and taking care in how we reach and minister to young people? Do, do you get that impression? Uh, I get that impression all the way through uh, this passage. Uh, sometimes you'll hear messages preached from this passage that focus less on young people and more on young believers of any age. And Brother Art, I think 
that might be an acceptable application of the passage. You might mine out some principles from this passage and say, well, you know what? The Lord was speaking literally about young people, children, but uh, there's people who are young in the Lord, and we can take those principles and and apply them to to young people. Uh, Sorry, people who are young in the Lord. I have no problem with that. But what's clear to me this morning is that the Lord is, is dealing literally this morning uh, with young people. He talks about bringing a child and, and setting the child uh, in his midst. Would, would you go back and look at verse 1, please? And I want to just see the context here, which uh, kind of controls uh, our approach to the passage and what the Lord is really asking us to bring to our effort to reach young people and to minister to them. There's, there's a spiritual issue that the disciples are struggling with here this morning, uh, and the Lord answers them by, by bringing a young person to illustrate the answer and, and then causes them to sort of view everything else he says through the, the lens of that answer. So see verse 1, please. He says, at the same time, well, Matthew records, at the same time, the disciples came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Uh, Lord, when, when we get there, who, who is going to be the greatest uh, when we get there? Now, uh, you might look at that passage, that, sorry, that verse, and, and say, I'm not really sure there's a problem with that question necessarily. Would you turn uh, forward to Mark 9 just for a moment? You're in Matthew, Matthew, Mark. Turn ahead, please. Uh, to Mark 9. Mark records, Brother Ray, a little bit more of sort of what comes before and a little bit of, of the context of the question. Remember, Lord's given us four gospel writers, sort of four witnesses uh, to the Lord's ministry, and, and they'll record uh, different things as the Holy Spirit leads them to. Uh, in Mark 9, you have a little bit more, and, and Rich, this uh, Mark's passage, Mark's account, brings out sort of the, the heart and what's behind their question. Who's the greatest? Who will be the greatest uh, in the kingdom of heaven? Look here in Mark 9, uh, beginning in verse 33. Mark 9, verse 33. He came to Capernaum. Jesus is the he, of course. Being in the house, uh, he asked, uh, what, what was it that ye disputed among yourselves, by the way? So Jesus was aware that as they were traveling to Capernaum, they were having a what? They were having an argument, right? There was a dispute amongst them. Uh, verse 34 says, but they held their peace. They didn't want to talk about it. They knew that it was a dispute that was not a spiritually healthy dispute. It's a dispute amongst them that pointed to a spiritual problem uh, in each of their hearts. So they held their peace for or because, by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Uh, they, they, what's, what's behind that? Verse 35, he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, if any man desire to be, what is it? First, uh, the same man shall be what? Last of all and servants of all. Listen, I think it becomes very clear very quickly that uh, their, their problem was a problem of pride, right? They were having an argument about who's going to be the greatest uh, in the kingdom. And, you know, Matthew's looking ahead to the kingdom. We understand that. This be the millennial kingdom. It's, it's deferred for a time, but not forever. Uh, they, they know that the Lord's millennium is, is coming. And, uh, and, and Gary, it seems like pridefully, they're thinking about different things that they've done for the Lord and probably different rewards that they'll have. And so they're pridefully debating and, and arguing, disputing who's going to be the greatest. Well, it'll be me. You know, I did this and uh, someone else pops up and says, well, I, I don't know, I, I, Gary, I think it'll be me. You know, I've done X, Y, and Z. And another one popped up and said, I, listen, I understand you guys have served and, and, and you've been pretty faithful, but have you seen what I've done? Have you seen all that I have done uh, to serve the Lord? Brother Steve, there's a problem there. It's that P word that we talk about a lot, right? It's P-R-I-D-E. It's that five-letter word. It's pride, right? Their, their problem is, is pride. There's no question about that because Jesus brings a young, humble little child and says, hey, you fellas need to get right, and, and getting right is going to look like 
uh, becoming humble uh, like this, this little child. Gary, I know if the answer to their problem, their spiritual problem is becoming humble, uh, their problem must be pride, right? We, we're allowed to be a little bit logical in, in how we understand scripture, right? And so come back to our Matthew passage uh, with, with all of that. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest? This is a prideful question. It's a prideful dispute. Uh, they're arguing about who has done the most for the Lord and who will be the greatest? Who will have the most reward and the greatest position and all, all of that? Who will be the most uh, in the millennium? This is a prideful debate. It points to a heart problem. Now, before we continue, uh, do you expect to be present in the millennium? I do. I do. Uh, do you expect there might be some rewards uh, available to you that you will experience during the millennium? I, I, I do. Uh, I do. So we're not, we're not saying that's not the case. Uh, Brother Ed, do you expect that some people will know greater reward in eternity than other people? We know that that's going to be the case, right? And, and our reward will be based on our service, uh, to some extent, the quantity, but more the quality, right? The heart, uh, the, the heart with which we serve, that, that, that's all true. But to debate who's done the most, that's, that's, that's a spiritual problem. There, there's a pride issue there. Uh, and Jesus says, listen, you're going to have to put that off uh, and you're going to have to put on humility in its place. This, this is his answer. Look how he illustrates this in verse 2. So we're back in Matthew 18. Jesus calls this little child uh, to the midst there to illustrate the, his, his point. You're prideful. You need to put that off and put on the humility of a little child. Verse 2. Jesus called the what? what who did he call? Verse 2. Gary, thank you. <laughs> a little child. A young child, I don't think this is a young Christian, although again, we might make application to a young Christian of any age. Literally, he called a child, a little child unto him, uh, and set him, the child, in the midst of them, uh, and said, verily or truly, I say unto you, so grammatically he's talking to all disciples, they've all been arguing, they've all evidenced this spiritual problem, this pride uh, rooted down in their hearts. He says, verily I say unto you, nobody gets off the hook, all of them. He says, except you be converted and become as little children, like this humble little child here, uh, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, you... you <laughs> Is he saying that they can't be saved unless they're absolutely perfect? I don't think he's saying this, but that exactly. But he is making a point that they have a serious spiritual problem and it needs to be addressed. They, they need to put off the pride uh, and put on humility in its place. And, and he goes on and he says in verse 4 that they need to understand that their humility is going to be a big part of, of, of their future reward. Their humility is going to be a big factor uh, in the reward that they will know uh, there in, in the uh, kingdom of heaven. Uh, and beyond. He says in verse 4, whosoever therefore shall what? What's the word? What is it, church? Verse 4, whosoever therefore shall what? Humble himself as this little child, the same, that person, the one who puts off the pride and, and humbles himself uh, like this little child, the same is the greatest uh, in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, humility is, is the key, uh, putting off pride, putting on humility in its place, uh, making myself and my service uh, less about me, making my life and my service less about me, making my life and my service more about others, uh, making myself small before the Lord, uh, allowing the Lord to be big in my life as, as I am small before him, uh, allowing my, making myself small before others as I seek to serve rather than to be served. Jesus says, whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, Brother Ed, again, there, there's people who are going to be greater and people who are going to be lesser uh, in the kingdom of heaven in, in terms, perhaps, of their uh, position, their, their place of service there, uh, probably their, their reward there as well. May I ask you a question this morning? 
who is the one who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Did you say Jesus? Is that what you said? Does, does, anyone, does everyone agree? Should we vote on that? George, do you think? <laughs> Should we? The Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Uh, in every way, right? He's God the Son. Anybody here God the Son? No. Marilyn says, nuh-uh, pastor. No, he's, he's the greatest now. He's going to be the greatest then. He'll, he'll be the greatest forever. Uh, so here's a question for you. Who is the one who has uh, chosen to humble himself more perfectly, more, can I say more greatly, Gary? I don't think that's grammatically correct. Who has humbled himself more than anyone else in all of history? Christ. He came from heaven as God, the Son, the Son of God. Uh, is he the creator of all things? Is he? He's the creator of all things. Uh, he's God the Son. Uh, just, just think about it for a moment. He, he's, our, he's our creator. Uh, he was there in heaven uh, enjoying perfect fellowship uh, with God the Father, with, with, with God the Spirit. Uh, there in a perfect place, a perfect sinless heaven. Uh, and he chose to follow his Father's plan uh, to come as a man, as a baby. Marilyn, can you even imagine that? As a baby. He's God the Son, the creator of all things. He chose to humble himself to come here uh, into his creation uh, as a man, as a babe, uh, and to grow up and to experience all, all of the uh, all of the challenges and, and trials that, that he would experience along the way, uh, and then his arrest and being beaten uh, severely and then being uh, nailed to the cross uh, and, and all of the humiliation that went along with that. Uh, has anyone ever come close to choosing to humble themselves as much as Lord Jesus Christ did? Anyone? Uh, Gary, he'll be greatest in the kingdom of heaven because of who he is. But because of who he is, he has this wonderful, perfect example of humility also. May I say this this morning? It is because of Christ that his people can take up his command to put off pridefulness and to put on humility in its place. We have a Savior, Brother Art, who's humbled himself more perfectly than anyone in, in, in all of history. And it's because of him and his power uh, in our lives that we could take up his example and choose to humble ourselves, to choose to live for him, uh, to choose to live for each other, uh, to choose to take ourselves off the throne and to put him on the throne, to make him the authority in our lives, and, and to choose to humbly serve him for his honor and his glory, and, and to choose to humbly serve each other uh, within our church body for his honor uh, and for his glory. May I ask you a question this morning? Do you serve the Lord? Do you serve him? Do you serve the Lord? You know, saved, baptized church members are, are uh, called to serve the Lord as, as, as in the ministries of our church. We're working hard to find ways for, for each one to do that. Uh, Corey, you're, you're praying hard. Lord, show me what my spiritual gift is and show me how to use that within my church. This is your church now, right? She used to say, oh, I attend this church down in Trumbull. Now she could say, oh, my church is down in Trumbull. Amen? Praise God. It's your church. What's the Lord's church? But he let you be part of it, okay? Uh, he let me be the pastor, too. Imagine that. Listen, if he let me be the pastor, he's got something awesome for you, okay? Uh, let's stop embarrassing Corey now, Pastor. Don't look at her, Brother Steve. You'll embarrass her. Look at Brother Steve. Don't do that either. Um, what, what what, Brother Ray, what a privilege it is to serve him. What a privilege it is to serve him. There's various passages that we could look at that teach us to test our, we'll not do that for time this morning, that teach us that the heart with which we serve him matters perhaps as much as the service. Gary, does the Lord look upon our hearts? He sees our service, for sure he does. 
Uh, he makes our service possible. He fuels it, right? We, we find grace in him to, to serve him. He, he sees our service and, and he enables there to be a, a productivity and effect in our, in our service. But he also looks upon the heart. Uh, are, is there more than one possible motive that you might serve the Lord with? Do, do you think about this? Uh, what's your motive to serve the Lord? Why do you serve him? Why do you do it at all? Is it for the Lord? Or if it, and Gary, if it's not for the Lord, who might it be for? Might be for me. You ever struggle with that? Do you ever struggle with that? I, I love it when people say, Pastor, uh, give me something to do. Uh, give me an area of service where no one's going to see it. Nobody's going to know it. They're not ever going to know uh, that I'm doing it, maybe unless they see the result of you not doing it. But, but you know what I mean? Right? Sometimes th there's that, right? Uh, we don't need examples. Uh, Lord, <laughs> Pastor, give, give me a place to serve where, where I'll just not be seen. That, that's a wonderful heart, and, and I praise God for that heart. Uh, why, what does that heart say? It, it's, it's my heart is to serve. My heart is to serve not so that people will look at me and say, wow, what a servant. Not that people will look at me and say, look at that person. Look, look, look at their service. Now, I'll look at your service sometimes, and I'm encouraged by that. Uh, I, I'll look at the way some of you serve and uh, the, the fact that you'll keep serving through great trials, and, and I'm encouraged by that. Uh, I, I'll, I'll look at you and say, wow, praise God for a wonderful example uh, of humble service. So the people that are clearly looking to God for grace to go on and, and to serve him, uh, even in the midst of, of great trials. By the way, can the Lord uh, make that possible? Can he? Can he make it possible for you to go on serving him even in the midst of a great trial? Sometimes what he'll call you to do changes you know, as our age, uh, as we age, as, we, as our health changes. Like I said, that as our health changes. <laughs> uh, sometimes the Lord will, will move us into different areas of service. But boy, we, as long as we're breathing, there's always an opportunity to serve. Um, but no matter what, no matter what, we do well to say, Lord, examine my heart, check my heart. Uh, who am I really serving for? Am I serving to be seen or am I serving my Savior? That's good prayer. Lord, show me in my heart, am I serving to be seen uh, by someone other than you? Uh, or is it just my heart to serve my Savior and to serve my, my fellow church members? Lord, show me my heart. Um, and he will. What can you do if, if you begin to become convicted that your service is honestly motivated more by pride than by just a humble desire to serve the Lord and, and to serve each other? What can you do if you pray, Lord, show me? And he says, listen, uh, you're, you, you're dealing with pride and, and what you really want is to be seen. Uh, somehow, some, what can you do about that? What can you do? What can you do? Lord, help me change that. God, God I confess that. I, I, I confess I struggle with this pridefulness. I, I want to be seen. I, even if my service is something that's off the side where people wouldn't normally see it. Lord, I really want to be caught serving you so that someone will look at me and say, ooh, ah, ooh, look at the... Do, do you want ooh, ah, ooh? Ooh, ah, ooh, look at that person serving. That, Lord, help me. Right, Gary? Uh, God... Change my heart. Uh, give, give me a heart to serve you. Give me a heart to serve my church family uh, just because, Lord, you've called me to. Uh, help me, Lord, to have a heart to humbly serve because you've called me to serve. And, and, and Lord, if I struggle uh, to do it humbly and, and not pridefully, Lord, I, I confess that. I look to you for grace to put off the pride uh, and to put on humility. And, and you could say, Lord, I know it's possible because my Savior came humbling himself from heaven to earth to the cross to the grave uh, and back again. The most perfect example of humility in all of history uh, has been affected, carried out by my Savior. Lord, I know, I, I know in Christ I can find grace to humble myself. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Let's continue on here. Uh, number two this morning, we see Christ uh, calls his disciples to 
exercise this humility in service very specifically now he's he he calls them to exercise this humility uh, as as they serve as they minister to young people uh, and, and again i'm, I'm going to say this is a young person here we could apply this to young christians of any age but uh, literally and, and i want to understand the bible literally where it's literal gary some of the bible is is poetic psalms are poetic and so forth but where it's literal i want to be literal amen He's calling them now, having exposed their spiritual problem uh, and giving them an example of the humility to which he's called them. He says, listen, uh, this is an example of, of humility, but I want you to take that example and I want you to apply that in my strength to ministering now to young people like this, reaching them and, uh, for Christ uh, and discipling them who believe uh, you, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna minister to them with this humility that you're going to find in me. Look at verse 5. He's, in this context, Jesus says, And whoso, the end connects this very tightly, and whoso shall receive or accept one such little child in my name receiveth or accept me. Isn't that an interesting verse? Jesus used this little child that he's, he's brought into their midst to illustrate the humility that he's called them to. Uh, and now he calls them to minister to this child with the humility that that child has illustrated. And Jesus says, listen, uh, if you'll do this, if, if you'll uh, receive or accept, if you'll minister to this child uh, as I'm calling you to, he says, I want you to understand uh, from my perspective, you're ministering to me. Uh, in, in humbly serving this child, and in, in humbly reaching and, and ministering to and, and serving young people, Jesus says, you're serving me when, when you do that. Isn't that good to know? Uh, when we serve, Marilyn, I could take a principle out of that, and I think it, it can be applied generally. When I serve in my church, no matter what it is, when I serve each other in the church somehow, I am serving the Lord. Amen? That's good, right? You keep that in mind. You're serving in your church, no matter what it is, you are serving the Lord. Whether you're driving someone to church or cleaning the bathrooms or vacuuming, whatever it is, teaching, whatever it is, um, yes, that's a help. You're serving each other. But in that, you're serving the Lord. Now, let's go back and, and, and see the literal specific context here again. Jesus is talking about ministry literally, specifically uh, to young people. You could say this is just an example, but uh, he is talking literally, specifically uh, about young people. Whoso shall receive, the word could be accept. It really has the idea of accepting into uh, fellowship. If uh, he, he wants them to have a heart uh, to not just go around uh, ministering to adults and ignoring young people, uh, not just looking for those that maybe could do the most for them, but to take care that they would minister to the youngest, the least, well, perhaps those who, who could do the least for them in, in the near term. A young child can't offer an awful lot to the church in terms of service uh, or giving, uh, but, but the Lord says you need to reach them. Uh, you, you need to take care that, that you receive them uh, into uh, your fellowship, your assembly. Have a heart to do that just as much uh, as, as you might have a desire to reach others uh, who you think might be able to do more, to contribute more, uh, whatever, in the near term. Um, would that require a, a humility on their part? Um, Gary, I think sometimes there's, there's a tendency to think, oh, my, my ministry uh, to adults is, is, is very important because they're adults. But my ministry to young people is less important because, well, you know, they're just kids. Is, is that the Lord's perspective? Is that his perspective, church? It's not his perspective at all. Uh, he's... He's got a whole half a chapter here about the importance of reaching young people, uh, humbling ourselves, uh, specifically humbling ourselves to reach little children, the little child of verse 5, uh, the, the little child of, of verse 2, uh, the little child of, of verse 4. He says, you need to take this humility that I've illustrated with a little child and invest that in ministering humbly 
uh, two little children. They're reaching them and, and, and ministering to them, discipling them, caring for them spiritually is no less important than anything else that the church could be engaged in. Uh, it may take some, hum, some humility, you know, come off your high horse and go out and reach some children. It's probably the idea here. Uh, Lord, help us to have this heart. Now, look, look in verse six, please. In, in this same context, uh, in this same context, he, Christ calls the disciples to not just reach them, not just to receive them in, but to take great care, uh, to exercise great care uh, in their ministry to them uh, once they're brought in. Now, before I even look at the verse again, um, <laughs> are you at all surprised that the Lord knew that he needed to put a verse in scripture that warned churches to take great care in their ministry to young people. I mean, you look back over the last 50 years of, of ministry to young people, there've been some terrible offenses, amen? There've been some terrible offenses. Uh, and you know, it, it'd be easy to point our fingers at Catholics, but you got this many more pointing back, right? There's been all kinds of offenses against young people in, in all kinds of churches. Uh, and you know what? That reflects a great crisis of humility uh, in our ministry to young people. Uh, churches that, that offend, that, that, that commit all sorts of offenses to young people in their ministries, that's a crisis of, of humility. Uh, that uh, making a young person an object uh, for some offense or abuse is, is a prideful offense to Lord Jesus Christ. It's the exact opposite of the humility to which the Lord calls. He calls us to hum, humble ourselves to the place of a small child and go out there uh, and, and reach these children uh, and, and bring them into the church. Go out there, find them, accept them in, uh, bring them in, do that for Christ as, as service to him. But once they're in, take great care in, in how we minister to them. Look at verse six. He says, but whosoever, bring them in, but keep this in mind, the Lord says, but whosoever shall offend one of these little children which believe in me. That the word underlying offense, offend, is the same word that scandal or scandalize comes from in the English. The English word is directly, comes directly from the Greek word scandal or scandalize. Whosoever would, would scandalize, who's, whosoever would do spiritual harm uh, to that young person that hopefully you brought them in humbly, but, but you need, that's not the end of the story. You need to continue ministering and, and do that with care uh, and humility. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believeth in me, uh, it were better, it would be better that a millstone were hanged about his neck uh, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. May I say this? That's pretty strong language. Is that strong language? Lord says, you, you humble yourself and reach young people. Bring them in, accept them in. He's talking here now specifically about those that have come to Christ. He says, you take great care to not do spiritual harm to them. You take great care to not put a stumbling block before them. You take great care to not give them an occasion to fall or stumble in their walk with the Lord because a person that would do that carelessly or purposely, it would be better that they be drowned than have done that in the first place. Gary, I think the Lord feels pretty strongly about this. This is a big thing to God and therefore needs to be a big thing uh, to our church. Uh, Corey, I'm thrilled that JD is downstairs. I am thrilled. Are you thrilled, church? Are you thrilled? I'm thrilled. And I hope he's the leading edge of God bringing young people into our church. That's my prayer. I'm praying that every day. Uh, if we could clone him, we would. Would we do that, church? We would clone him. We'd, we'd build a lab and we'd clone him and we'd have 100 of them. We, we're not going to do that. And so we got to go out there and find. Um, we have an obligation to him to minister to him. We have an obligation to do so humbly. And, you know, it, it takes some humility to go down and serve in the nursery. It does, right? It takes some humility. Uh, no one can see. Who, can you see who's serving in the nursery right now? 
Can you? Marilyn, you don't have x-ray vision. You can see down through the floor. I can't. So, I mean, it takes some humility to serve down there. Um, praise God for everyone who is able and willing to do that. I know everyone's not able to. Um, those who serve him are going to do that with humility. Amen. Taking great care, taking great care of him. And I, my, my prayer is that is as we do that, uh, God will, number one, bring him to Christ at a young age. Would you pray that just constantly, church? Would you pray that? Yes, pastor. <laughs> Thank you. Brother Ray, you'll pray that. Uh, pray, pray that he'll be saved at a young age and that our church will humbly minister to him and disciple him from a young age and you know, 10 years from now, we'll be looking at a, he's three and a half, right? We'll be looking at an almost 14-year-old uh, young man who's grown up in the Lord, and he's just a, a, a godly, Christ-like young man, uh, not living in the world like so many teenagers. And he'll not be alone. It's my prayer also, because you, you just pray that as we minister to this young man, man, that God will bless this church with more young people and we'll just lead them to the Lord and humbly take great care in how we uh, approach our ministry to them. Um, stop and think for a second. Um, stop and think for a second. Um, well, let me say one thing and then stop and think for a second. Um, our word here, offend, is the word that um, scandal, scandalize comes from, but it's the same word. Uh, I've said the words already. It's the same word that's translated stumbling block and occasion to fall later on, uh, Romans and Revelation. Uh, and so, Brother Ray, what the Lord is doing here is he, he's warning us to take great care that we not put spiritual stumbling blocks before young people in the church. That would be an occasion or a cause for them to fall in their walk with the Lord. Is stop and think for a second. Stop and think for a second. What might some of those stumbling blocks be? Stop and think for a second. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be some kind of terrible abuse like we've seen in some churches. It, it doesn't have to be that. There could be lots of things that could cause a, a young person uh, to stumble or fall in their walk with the Lord. Uh, how might we be a stumbling block? One man says this, to sour a child to the things of God, that would be a stumbling block, be, to be a stumbling block. How? By being inconsistent or being hypocritical. Uh, to offend and drive away a babe in Christ by our carnality, by our hypocrisy, by our inconsistency, by our choice to sin uh, is an offense to God that will be or could be a stumbling block to that young person. Now, by the way, any of that could be a stumbling block to anybody else in the church also, right? Any of that, any of that. You see, you see any of that in the life of a fellow church member you can respond two ways. You can lovingly seek to correct them, or you can uh, not lovingly join them. Amen? There's, there's temptation to do the latter. Uh, so I understand that the, any of these things that could be a stumbling block to a young person that cause them to fall uh, or for their spiritual growth to be stunted, uh, any of those things could be a problem for anybody else in the church too. But, but here the Lord is focusing specifically uh, on young people. Aren't they the most fragile? Aren't, aren't they the most fragile? In, in Marilyn, they're, they're also at a point where they're, they're growing the fastest, right? Or, or they should be. The Lord is concerned about us taking great care that we not prevent the growth of a young person who's come to Christ because that's a time when they should be learning like weeds and, and growing like weeds. Weeds can't learn, Pastor. Growing like weeds. Uh, it should be a time of the greatest growth in, in their life. And so the, the, the potential for, for consequence, uh, if, if we're not being careful uh, in our ministry to them, is, is greatest at this point. Now, the Lord understands that, and clearly he would have us to understand that as well. Lord, help us to humble ourselves 
uh, and, and be willing to reach young people, to bring them in, to receive them, uh, no matter where they come from, that the humility. Lord, help us to humble ourselves uh, and take great care in our ministry to them. Let's go a little bit further here. Uh, let's go a little bit further. Jesus says, verse 7, woe unto the world because of offenses, because of their sin, their scandal. The, the world will throw up all kinds of stumbling blocks, uh, for it must needs be that offenses come. The world is, is going to be a spiritual challenge to believers of all ages, no matter what. It's lost people living like lost people live. That's what they do. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised by that. He says, but woe to the man by whom uh, the offense cometh. You look at this verse and you may wonder, why exactly did Jesus make that statement uh, here in, in this context? And I think there's probably a number of reasons uh, but, but one reason might be this. Uh, is it true that the world is full of sinful, um, uh, sinful customs? Sin that, is a, that causes a temptation for us. Is the world full of sinful temptations? That's, that's what I'm trying to get to. Is it? Is it? I don't have to tell us that, right? We, we know that. Uh, we know that. Uh, Brother Ray, is that fact going to ever be a valid excuse before the Lord. If, if you fall into some sin of the world, uh, is, 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 are you going to be able to say, well, you know, Lord, everybody was doing it. and It was just a constant temptation. Uh, you know, everybody was doing all this junk and uh, it was all around me all the time. And, and you know what, Lord, everybody was doing this much junk. I only did this much. You ever feel like that? God, everybody was doing this much. Go back to uh, Isaiah 5 this morning. Everybody was drinking and partying this much. I only did it this much. I think it's, it's here because the Lord would have us, to, in this context, to stand guard against the influence of the world in our lives. If we allow the world to be a sinful influence in our lives, we are going to be a sinful influence in the lives of young people that come into our church. Is that okay? Not okay. We're not going to have an... Ex Lord, there was this much sin. I only did this. How much sin does it take to cause spiritual harm to a young person? Not a lot. Little dose of sin, Gary, will mess up a young person a whole lot. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. If you're a young mom this morning, that's, it's, it's convicting, right? It's, it's convicting because they see everything and they hear everything. And I'm convicted because I'm a parent too. Zach heard everything and he saw everything. Can you believe my life as a parent was not perfect? all the way through Zach's upbringing. Brother Garcia is shocked by that. Pastor, you weren't perfect? No, I was not. And I know that some of the things I did and some of the things I said along the way had an effect that was not good. It did spiritual harm. Lord, help us to stand guard against that. It's good to be single, Gary said. <laughs> Lord, thank you, I don't have to worry about that. And, and yet you do, because there's a young person in this church who sees you. Isn't it amazing? I'm sure Corey knows this. Isn't it amazing how they see everything and they hear everything? Years ago when I taught Sunday school up there to young people, if I said something in week one and it was a little bit inconsistent with what I said in week 21, they knew it. They, they, knew, they were there. But I was Mr. Bob then. Mr. Bob, you said da-da-da-da-da and now you're saying blah 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 they, they hear, they see, and, and they remember. Lord, help us to take great care. You may not be a parent, but you have an opportunity to be a wonderful spiritual influence uh, with all the people in the church, including a young person, or to do harm. This is what the Lord's warning us about. We'll be without excuse. Uh, we'll be without excuse when, when our example uh, when our example. 
uh, causes harm. Um, verses 8 and 9 are familiar to us, right? We've seen language like this elsewhere uh, earlier uh, in, in Matthew, and it's, it's pretty strong language, isn't it? Uh, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, scandalize thee, uh, cut them off. If, if your hand or your foot becomes a stumble, if you sin, uh, cut them off. Uh, cast them from thee, it were better for thee to enter life, halt, or remain. We've, we've read this, and you're familiar with this. Oh, this. This is poetic language here. Rich, clearly the Lord does not intend for us to start cutting off parts or gouging our eyes. This, this is poetic language. I, I understand that. Uh, what's he saying here? He's, he's warning here against being a stumbling block to yourself. This is the thing here. Uh, this, I mean, that would be the theme in context. Uh, the world is filled with all sorts of stumbling blocks. Uh, and, and, if, and if you'll take them up, they become stumbling blocks to others in the church, including the young people. But if you take them up, don't forget their spiritual harm to you also. Uh, if, if you take up the sinful things of the world, if you allow those things back into your life, or if you've been recently saved and, and you're not looking at the Spirit of God to continue sanctifying you, separating you uh, from those things, if you return or go in deeper to the things that you've been saved out of, that's going to do spiritual harm to you. Uh, and in this context, it's going to cause spiritual harm to your church family and specifically has the potential to cause great spiritual harm to the young people. Lord, help us. Lord, 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 help us, please. Verse 10, and we'll go just a little bit further here. We'll be done. He says, next, take heed that you despise not uh, one of these uh, little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father uh, which is in heaven. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have been in churches where young people were despised. I've been there. Uh, I don't think it's this church. I hope it's not. I hope it's not. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, no one would say, no one would come right out and say, oh, we despise them. But if, if, you, if you could see into their hearts, listen, what's in your heart comes out, right? And even if it doesn't come out of your mouth, it comes out of, in your actions, right? That, and it always does. Your, your heart always affects uh, your, your mouth, what you say, and or your actions. And you can tell what's in someone's heart based on what they say uh, and or what they do, right? You could diagnose someone's heart just exactly that way. Uh, I've seen churches where, where the young people were looked down upon, where there just wasn't a heart for them, or they were looked down upon from where, because of where they came from. Amen? Amen? You got that? You got that? They were looked down upon because they were young, couldn't do much, or they were looked down upon because of where they came from. That's not okay. Who are we called to reach as a church? Everyone. 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 And we're not going to despise anybody because of their age or where they came from or both. Amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. Pastor, amen. Lord, give us heart. Humble ourselves. Give us hearts. Lord, we, we need to reach whoever we can, wherever they are, no matter how young they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what kind of problems that may come in. If, Brother Art, if the Lord gave us a bunch of young people from all different places, they might bring some problems with them. Don't you think? Isn't this a place where the Lord addresses problems? Isn't this a, a, a spiritual hospital where, where the Lord addresses individual personal problems, spiritual problems, and all the ick that causes in people's lives? Isn't that what this is? He changes hearts and he changes lives. But in order for, I mean, he does that because he has to, because when people come, they bring all kinds of ick with them. That's a technical theological term. Right? Come with all kinds of ick. Is it okay? Not okay for them to keep the ick, but if the Lord would give us an influx of new people who are 
sinners might be some sin in their lives, might be some problems. Some of them are children with the same ick. Is that okay? That's what we're called to. We're called to humbly receive them, to accept them in. If you go to the hospital, you have to be admitted. You have to be received in before they can fix you, right? The hospital just humbly receive you in, hopefully, after waiting for like 12 hours, right? You've been there? Boy. Lord, um, give us an urgency to reach people, to receive them in, and to humbly minister to them, knowing that there's going to be some problems, some ick, some difficulties. Uh, give us humble hearts to simply love them and begin to share the gospel and teach them the word of God. And Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit will start to peel away at the ick, right? That's, isn't that how that worked in your life? Has, has he sanctified you? He's sanctifying me still, Brother Gary. There's still a little ick in there. Pastor. Let's look at the last um, several verses we're done. Parable of the lost sheep. Kind of brings it all home. Verse 11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. When you're lost, there's lots of ick. How <laughs> think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray? Doth he not leave the ninety-nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so, be that he find it. Verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which went astray. Even so, verse 14, it is not, not, not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Sounds to me like the Lord will have us to go out there and find some lost little ones, Brother Art. And you know what? Lucky for us, there's a lot of them out there. Lucky for us. It is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one, that one of these little ones should perish. One man says very simply, here's a clear indication that we ought to have a heart and burden to reach children with the gospel. Amen. It's God's express will that children not perish. Amen. Also as implicit is the need for children to be brought to Christ. Amen. Have you noticed that they're not storming down our doors on Sunday morning? Are there like large hordes of children out there knocking on the door to come in? Maryland, there's not, right? There's not. We might have to go out there and find them. Could we do that? Could we? JD wouldn't be lonely anymore. He's not lonely. It would be great if he could grow up with a group of young people in this church who came to Christ at a young age and grew up together, matured in their walk with Christ together, and began to serve the Lord together. You know what? That'd be the next generation of our church. May I say something about that? We need that. Are you getting younger? I'm not either. <laughs> be great if we could. Amen. That'd be the next generation of our church. That'd be awesome. Amen. That'd be awesome. Um, I know I've put out the word that we'd like to cover more of our services, have nursery coverage for more of our services. We, we need to do that for JD right now. But I, I hope very quickly it's, it's more than just JD. All right, but I, I, we need to do that for JD right now. We need to have Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night covered, eventually Wednesday night. But so I ask again, you know, if you're a church member, uh, talk to me about that. We, we need to get that covered. That needs to happen, okay? That needs to happen. Lord, help us. <laughs> Give us hearts to just be there. We're not going to have, you know, someone down there every Sunday school, and it will we'll spread it around, but that needs to happen. So please pray about that, Lord. Humble my heart. Give me a heart to, to cover that. And uh, also pray that, that God, as, as we do that, as we cover those services in nursery, Lord, bring in more young people. Bring in families with young people. Bring in young people. Bring in young people. Um, 
we need to have youth Sunday school again, and, and we can. I know there's people that are willing to do that. Uh, we can. Maybe with junior church at some point, we can do that too. There's people that are willing to do all of these things. Um, but right now, I know we need to cover the nursery, and that's, that's where the Lord has us right now. And, and so I would just implore you again this morning, pray about that, and uh, come say, hey, Pastor, I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to do more there. Uh, we'll take care not to have you down there constantly, but uh, let us know, please. Um, we are not many people, and so it does require uh, a number of us to step up. I appreciate that very much. I appreciate that very much. Um, would, you, would you join me in praying a few things? I have a few prayer requests that I would like for you to take this morning. We'll pray them as we close, but... I'd like you as a church to take these prayer requests and, and make them part of your regular uh, private prayer also. Uh, would, you, would you pray that the Lord would help us to reach young people? Would you do that? Would you make a note of that? Lord, help us to reach out to young people. Uh, there's many ways that we can do that. There's many ways that we can do that. But uh, pray, Lord, help us to reach young people. Pray, Lord, give us wisdom about how best to do that. Lord, give us wisdom about how best to do that. And, and Lord, give us wisdom about how best to disciple young people uh, as they come in. And, and that'll be primarily about Sunday school uh, and or junior church. At some point, we can do that. Um, and Brother Ray, of course, just you know, lots of personal interaction uh, careful personal interaction, right? Very careful, wise interaction with, with young people. Um, would you pray those things? Um, pray that the Lord help us to be humble in our approach and careful in our ministries to young people. Brother, do you think that if, if we would take that prayer up earnestly and, and, and humbly that the Lord might bless, he might answer that prayer. I don't know if we'll see hundreds of young people, but maybe we'll see some. Lord, however many you would have, give us hearts, humble hearts to receive them, to minister to them, and to do that carefully, wisely. I'm going to close this morning uh, with that prayer. And... Um, Trust that you will continue uh, to pray that prayer. And um, keep J.D. in prayer, please. Keep him in prayer. And uh, let's look forward to God's answer, anticipating that he will answer as he sees fit. And uh, you can rejoice this morning knowing that the Lord will answer that prayer as he sees fit. Let's pray, please. Father, we do thank you this morning for this passage. Lord, you have a, a deep concern for young people. And I know that many of us this morning share that concern, Lord. We understand this morning that you've called churches to reach whomever we may, certainly, most certainly including young people. Lord, I pray this morning that um, you would humble our hearts before you. Lord, help us to be yielded to you in whatever service you might call us to, whatever that is. Lord, if you have more of us to be more involved in reaching younger people, lay that upon our hearts and help us to humble ourselves before you. Lord, I know that we're, we're limited today in what we can do, but I know we can do what you would have us to do today. Lord, would you give us hearts to reach young people? Would you humble us and give us humble hearts to reach young people with the gospel? Lord, would you give us your wisdom uh, with respect to how this church can best do that at this time? Lord, we know that may change over time as you lead us and guide us and direct us. Lord, show us how you would have us to deploy ourselves at this time. Lord, would you give us wisdom about how we disciple young believers with respect to Sunday school and maybe a junior church and other opportunities, Lord, as you may lead. 
Father, help us to be humble and desiring to pursue those opportunities that you lay upon our hearts. Lord, in all of this, again, we pray for your wisdom regarding our approach. And we pray for a humility from you in our approach to young people. Lord, thank you so much this morning for this passage. Thank you for a young man who's downstairs this morning. Thank you for his mom. We pray that JD be saved at a young age and that you'll use this church and his mom to disciple him. That he'll grow into a fine Christian young man and be used greatly of you.